Blog Talk Radio.
Are you ready for some short track bumping and banging? It's the Kentucky Anna Ford Dealers ARCA 200 this Sunday afternoon at Salem Speedway, fueled by the Hoosier Lottery, featuring the cars and stars of the ARCA Racing Series. You've seen them on the super speedways of Daytona and Talladega. Now, see them on the toughest short track on the circuit, the famed high banks of Salem. It's all happening this Sunday afternoon. The Kentucky Anna Ford Dealers ARCA 200 at Salem Speedway. Tickets now selling at one 888 go race It's Monday night, and it's time to get rowdy. Catch up on This Week in ARCA and NASCAR with news and comments. Plus, you never know who will stop by for a visit. Right here on the Rowdy Maglite Show. Here's your weekly radio duo, Rowdy and Mark. All right, it's Monday night, and it's time to get rowdy again. And helping me with this show tonight, as always, I got the Chi-Town Duel, Jackman Jeff and Chi-Town Mark. Welcome back to Monday night with the Rowdy Maglite Show, guys. Well, thanks, Rowdy. I got my coffee here. I'm ready to rumble. And uh, a big shout-out to Jeff. He's celebrating one of those birthdays he's trying to hide, but we're not going to let him do it. Happy birthday, Jeff. Thanks, Mark. Happy birthday. Hey, Roddy, how you doing? I'm doing Thanks, great, Roddy. and I didn't want to say nothing until we come alive on your birthday, but, man, it's a very important day for you. Uh, it's just another day. <laughs> well, we're just glad you're spending it with us tonight, and we're going we're sharing it out here tonight. Yeah, you could be out having some great steak dinner and said you're here stuck with the two of us. Plus some great guests, though. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, nah. you know. Watch some guests, guys, I tell you. Uh, way we're going to roll tonight, 710, uh, with Mav TV, FS1, Jim Trudeau. Man, w- w- what a guest, guy. I, we talked about it a while ago before we started the show. We could talk a long time tonight, but we know it's Monday night, and he's he's got a lot going on, too. Just glad he's taking out a little time to come spend some with us, guys. After that, at 7:45 Eastern, I uh, say 7:45 Eastern time, we got Eric Doe with the Dega Party Crew coming on, talk about 15 minutes about what's going on in on the North Park with him. Glad, you know, y'all was there. Eric puts on a great show. It's people like him and the Dega do, and Jason over in the West Park. You know, we got. The North Park will have the infield next week and probably part of the West West Park talking Talladega racing, getting us up for next week race. But after uh, Eric, hey, we're going right up to Salem, Indiana. Got a big race with ARCA this week. The 66 running of the ARCA Racing Series at their, which will be their 103rd return to uh, Salem Speedway. 103 times at Salem. That's pretty impressive, isn't it, guys? You know what, Roddy? I don't think they've been to any track any more times than they have been to Salem. And 103 times, that is a record to uh, be very proud of. Uh, you're, you're doing something right to keep bringing them back like that, and the crowds are always good for the ARCA races. And uh, Jeff and I have been going on to Salem for quite a few years, so we uh, 
we, we have a good taste of it, and we enjoy it down there. And uh, when we get a chance to, uh, we like going to see these long-distance ARCA races. Uh, live pit stops, the whole works. It doesn't get much better. You know, 103 years, you know they're doing something right. You get some great racing. Like Mark said, we've seen some races over the years, back of the old ASA series. Um, they do a great show, so you, you can understand why they've been doing 103 races now. Because if, if you haven't seen a race there, you need to get out and see some racing on the high banks of uh, Salem. Well, you know, hey, uh, I was my first race last year in September, and good gosh, what a race. I had a great time. I tell you, if you go to Salem, you need to go the night before. If I'm not mistaken, it's free camping. It's uh, non-reserve, free camping. And uh, I got out there and found me some campfires and went around and watched some stories that they was able to tell, I'm telling you. And, you know, it's not always been a safe track because back in the day, they wasn't driving safe cars. And uh, it's it's been a – they've had some tragedies there like a lot of the other tracks. But oh, now yeah, with – you know, it's it's racing in general. Look what's happened in the last since Dale Earnhardt. We lost Dale Earnhardt. Softwells. A lot of things have changed. And we're still prone to having people can be killed, Rowdy. It's it, that's that's the bottom line. It's it is not the safest sport in the world, and it'll always have that uh, little bit of you know uncertainty to it. Well, I just hope that uh, we're, you know, like normal, we're going to try to to get the winner on Monday night. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to do that each. I think last year we missed four races not having the winner on. Uh, and and only reason we didn't have them on was they were Toyota drivers who were racing on Monday nights, and some of them had couldn't they couldn't call in because they was uh, they were in the race car, so. That's our goal yeah. is to hopefully bring on the winner on Monday nights like we have. We've been successful, and, you know, we're going on our third year here. So, guys, hey, let's bring on our first guest, and, and uh, let's go from there. Bring around, Robbie. Let's go. All right, everyone, I'd like to welcome from MAV-TV and uh, Jim Trudeau. Welcome, Jim. Hey, guys. How are you? Doing great, Jim. I hate we didn't get to talk at Nashville, I tell you, but it was so cold. I was con- too concentrated on keeping keeping myself warm. I, you being from Wisconsin, you probably dealt with it, but, Jim, it's the first time I'd ever been to a racetrack where it actually had snow flurries. Yeah, it was, it was really cold, and I was surprised, uh, as you were, how cold it was and how cold it stayed. I thought at some point it would break up, but... We made it through somehow, and I was uh, fortunate to be in the booth for the first time in a while at an ARCA race on a short track. Well, uh, we all went up into the booth to watch the first race, uh, and I tell you, it was so crowded up there. <laughs> I just recharged my phone and went back to the van and the car and, and uh, got me another coat. We were just lucky enough, Jim, that the wind died down at dark, and that yeah. helped tremendous. Yeah, and the racing was really good. I mean, seeing how good these young teams are, or these young drivers and veteran crew chiefs, I mean, it's going to be a fun season. It really is. Have you seen a a time that 
ARCA's been stacked with, well, you take the composite body and the Elmore engine has really changed ARCA. You know, the body itself has given the certain, you know, there's an update. You can still run a steel body through next year at certain tracks. So that still could be around. But that body's been around since 2002 in the NASCAR Cup Series. So to see it upgraded to what is the Gen 6 body, it was molded off the Gen 6 Cup body, it really looks nice. Um, the engine itself, Ken Schrader, uh, the team owner that was the championship team owner last year and NASCAR uh, driver forever, he said it saved him a bunch of money from the outset with the Yomore engine. The Arca Yomore 396 engine is, what, $41,000, something like that. There are truck teams now that have the option of running that same motor with some updates. It's about a $2,500 difference. It's called the NT1 in the NASCAR Truck Series. It is the Arca Yomore engine in its platform, in its base. And now you've got guys like Jordan Anderson and Josh Rayom doing their own truck teams because of the money they're saving with all the engine costs being cut way down with what they're able to do with these engines that last a long time and have really good torque and really good horsepower. Well, you know, Jim, back uh, four or five years, say five years ago, they was only like two or three dominant teams. But now on race day, honestly, you've got 15 to 20 teams that's got a possibility of winning. Yeah, you know, one thing I like to do, and it's, it's something I've done for years when I'm on pit road, like I'll be on pit road for Fox races this year, uh, including Talladega. When I work with someone else on pit road, I actually, after qualifying or after pits are chosen, I circle the numbers I see from practice and teams that should be good. I circle the car numbers that I think will be factors in the race, and I've done a lot of circling in the last couple of years. Even at Nashville, I'd say we were 12 to 14 deep legitimate without race strategy playing into what happened to be first-time winners the last two years prior to that at Nashville. So, yeah, you're talking a dozen, dozen and a half cars each race. For sure, it's one of the strongest periods in Arca's career, Arca's history. Well, we thought last year was a pretty decent race, and then when it come to look at the numbers, there was 93 laps of caution. This year, there was only 42 or 43 laps of caution. And really, at the end of the race, there was only one car with really any kind of damage, and it was a steel body. Those composite bodies are kind of given. Yeah, you know, it, they, it, you um, can... there was some damage last year on a car at a super speedway, and it looked like the car would have been junk, but the body popped back out. There was some damage underneath. I think it was in a practice session at Michigan, and they ran the race. They didn't have to go to a backup car. They didn't have to, you know, pound out the body. The body actually took the brunt and, and bounced back into shape. It was really kind of surprising to see that. And if you recall at Daytona, speaking of the bodies, when Brett Holmes went si sliding down the backstretch in dramatic fashion at the end of that race, I saw the car after that scrape that was widely played, and it looked like somebody just took a big old sand grinder and went down the side of it. There was no holes in it. There was no fire. There was no grating to the, through to the roll cage. It was pretty amazing. It looked like he just sideswiped the sand grater versus uh, the racetrack at Daytona going down the backstretch on its side. Well, going back to uh, Nashville last year, after those uh, 93 laps of caution, I, I always like to go take pictures of the carnage. Well, there really wasn't none. I'm like, where's all these? Where did all those cars go with the cautions? But they, you know, only car they was there again. There was only one steel body car that was completely demolished. Everybody else went home with a that took composite cars. Most of the caution had to have been composite because nobody else tore up nothing. Yeah, you know, inner fender wells are still made out of steel, and there's, one of them came out, I think, that caused the last caution, debris caution at Nashville. That was from a composite body car. But there is a lot less damage. You're right. In total, there's a lot less. Sorry about that. My dog's uh, barking a little bit in the that's, background here. Um, 
But the uh, the amazing thing is, yes, those bodies are very durable. And if they get involved in an accident, look at Natalie Decker. She won the pole at Daytona, had the left front fender from the top of the fender forward gone. They threw some tape on it. She finished fifth in the race at Daytona. You couldn't even do that with a steel body car. You'd have to peel the fender back or it would start flapping or catch air and, and, and cause a big parachute, and that really held up well. That was another testament to the body itself made right here in Wisconsin at five-star stock car bodies. Well, Jim, uh, you know, I never looked at Wisconsin as such a, a base for racers, but I'm telling you what, when the snow thaws, y'all, well, I guess you, you're racing snowmobiles during the winter, but, man, it's there's a lot of great racers that have come out of Wisconsin. You know, and uh, the most recent attention paid to Alan Kowicki, who was an NASCAR champion who passed away 25 years ago. He ran the short tracks that were and still are very active. Um, there's been some track closures, but not nearly to the degree, I'd say, compared to the rest of the country. But I live in Milwaukee, and there's six or seven tracks within an hour's drive of where I am. Pavement, dirt, drag racing, um, drag strips. So there's, there's a lot of racing going on in Wisconsin. And because of that, drivers like Rusty Wallace and Mark Martin, in the time of Alan Kowicki and Dick Trickle racing here four or five nights a week, they came to Wisconsin to get more reps. They wanted to race more. And that made them better racers when they got the chance to race on a national stage. Well, Jim, you know, ARCA, one of the best things that I like about ARCA is we do two dirt track races, a lot of short tracks, the two, two super speedways and intermediate tracks. Of course, this year they, they don't have a road course, but they are really a diverse sanctioned league and the great thing about it is you've got uh look at our schedule upcoming you've got salem this coming sunday the next week is talladega the biggest track on the schedule and then you've got you know elko speedway it's a three-eighths mile little bull ring in many uh, outside of minneapolis i mean it's a really really cool schedule and and i do know we get back to those engines josh williams won at nashville two years ago he's the driver that had a low budget bought it at Arca Ilmar 396. He ran it in every race of the first 11 races on the schedule, no matter what track size it was. So he went to Daytona. He went to Salem. He went to Nashville. He went to Winchester. He went to Daytona, Talladega, Michigan. He went to the first 11 races on the same engine before he had it rebuilt. Yes, he went too far, but it still lasted the duration. So think of how much money he saved on motor bills. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty cool schedule. And with this engine deal, it's really, really making it fun and affordable for other teams from the k East and West. Now, I've got 15-year-olds coming to ARCA that may have thought about going road racing or going to the K&N platform or going to late model race one more year. Now they get a chance to race longer races with live pit stops on TV in the ARCA Racing Series presented by Menards. Well, uh, the great thing is MAV is actually broadcasting 11 live and one tape delay. That's pretty impressive. You know, and the great thing about MAV TV is they have bought in hard on this platform. They love ARCA Racing Series action. They had uh, a chance to get involved in uh, several races, and last year they invested in a live truck, which is the truck that produces the races from the track. You might have seen it at Nashville, or if you saw it on some photos shared on Facebook, uh, the TV compounds right outside Turn 1 at Nashville. And that's where they parked the big truck, and they uh, actually also invested in every ARCA race. They're going to have that big live production truck. They're also going to have a satellite truck paired with it. No matter where ARCA goes, they're going with it. So they've made a big commitment to, to do all these races live and all the, all the short track races on the Sushi Short Track Challenge this year, which would be really cool. And I'm chomping at the bit to go to Salem. I love Berlin. I'm glad it's back on the schedule. Uh, I've been going there for years with the old ASA series, too. Well, Jim, we enjoyed being with you at uh, Banquet in Indianapolis. I couldn't have picked <laughs> a, a better person to sit at a table with than you. 
You know, I wasn't there long, guys. I got to tell you that when I was sitting there, you know, I, I always get this banquet mindset. I'm like, okay, I can eat my salad real quick. I like to chit chat a bit, and then by the time dessert's about passed around, I'm like, oh, gotta go. So uh, it was fun to sit with you guys for that brief amount of time as well. I really enjoyed it. Well, we all scramble for the desserts at the end, and then the next thing I know, you're on the stage getting the show started. So we, yeah. we, no matter how long we we did get to spend some time with you, and it was absolutely wonderful, and we appreciate you being so humble and, and accepting us at your table. Uh, Mark, you're live with Jim Trudeau. Thanks, Rowdy. Uh, welcome, Jim. Thanks for taking the time with being with us tonight. Um I, I don't know where to start with you. I I was uh, around in the golden years of, of uh, short track racing as you were. Uh, uh, I got introduced to short track racing in, in Wisconsin in the early 70s, and I was hooked. Where'd you go? What'd you see, Mark? What what, what, what racetracks and what, uh, what drivers Fidel, did you start following? Slinger, Madison, Lacrosse, <laughs> Wisconsin International, which is my favorite racetrack. I, I don't know why WIR is, but... Uh, yeah, there aren't too many tracks in Wisconsin I have not been to. Let's put it that way. Wow, great. Uh, WIR, um, Wisconsin International Raceway, is also one of Mark Martin's all-time favorite tracks. Of all the tracks he's raced, he said that's one of his favorites. He came back there for an autograph session last year, and they had a $10,000 win race uh, on a Tuesday night. It's pretty cool. I was there for the Dixieland race, and yeah. I'll be there for this year's edition. I, I will as well. It should be fun hooking up with you there. Hanging out. Well, I will look for you. I didn't realize you were there. I was, yeah, I was busy running around too, and uh, I'll make sure I look for you. Uh, it's it's probably one of the best races uh, of the summer. So it's, uh, if you guys, uh, as you're listening to this, the racetrack is shaped funny. It's got a goofy shape to it. It's hard to get around. Um, it's a little bigger than a half mile. Turn one's really tight, and you kind of come back across turn two, and it's a big sweeper down into turn three, and then turn four, you kind of take it wide. You kind of sweep out of turn four. And you kind of hit the flag stand and you the dive wall. to the bottom to turn one again. And it's really a cool, fun racetrack to watch. Mm-hmm. This Dixieland 250 race we're talking about is 250 laps on this track. And back in the old days of Artco and All Pro and um, ACT and ASA, they would all bring drivers to that race because it paid so well. So I saw David Green and Steve Grissom back in the day race in the Dixieland 250. I saw Tony Stewart race in the Dixieland 250 in someone's late model as he was just getting into stock car racing with uh, Harry Rainier before he got involved with Gibbs. So it's neat to see how they bring those guys around. And, you know, you see these guys like Bubba Pollard and Donnie Wilson. I think, you know, if they have a chance to do it, it's paying 10 to win. There's enough interest there. I think we'll see some guys, again, migrate to Wisconsin comes Tuesday night. I think it's August 7th at that racetrack near Green Bay. Well, we hope to have Greg McCarns on in a couple of weeks. He's done a nice job with the Midwest Tour, as well as Glenn Luckett and R.J. Scott with the CRA and uh, the Cars Tour and – I just wish the weather would have been so much nicer for uh, for Nashville because it was it was a good racing weekend show. Yeah, it doesn't get much better for a doubleheader, does it? No, and looking at the star power that was there for that for the super late model 100 lap, I mean everybody that you know is going to be back for the All American 400 was there. You know you had the big names that we I mentioned a few of them already, but you had the the guys that ran the CRA series full time. You had the full time guys from the uh, Southern Super Series. I mean it was really cool to see that mix and going through that garage. Seeing Freddie Query hanging out, Mike Bliss hanging out, um, Gary Ballou's car nearly won the race with uh, um, Stuart Friesen driving it. I mean, it was really cool to see that in that garage area. I don't see that often enough, um, and I miss that. See, not get, getting to as many short track races as I'd like because of my my uh, TV commitments and such. 
Well, Track Enterprises puts a couple of them on. We'll get to see another one in September at IRP, excuse me, Lucas Oil Raceway. Uh, uh, that's always a good racing weekend also. Yeah, I know they wanted to keep it paired up with the Brickyard 400 weekend, which should be fun. It should be a little cooler because I know while the racing is at night, it's uh, dripping wet with humidity and heat in the mid-July months in Indiana. So that'll be nice to have it a bit cooler, I think. And I think it'll really actually add to the racing because there's not much you can be take a 95-degree day to a 78-degree to a and muggy night uh, on a racetrack like uh, Lucas Oil Raceway where, where it does this temperature sensitive. You really can't get what you get in practice to replicate. So it'll be fun. No, it's it, it's it's such a, a a great racetrack to watch racing at because it's multiple groove. Uh, you get your car hooked up right at IRP, and uh, uh, you, you can just run away from the field. But that doesn't happen very often. You know, and tires do play a factor in all of this. B uh, of Goodrich uh, was involved with the ASA series. They brought a radial to the deal. It was really good. This general tire radial, which is a generation after the Hoosier tire radial, it is rock solid, but there is tire wear, which is what the drivers want. So when we looked at Nashville and the strategies that played out the last couple of years to win that race, it came down to tire strategy. Salem last year, Gustine spun early, put tires on late, and almost won the race. He came back to second. Um, you know, yeah. you look at the strategies play out. When you mentioned Lucas Oil Raceway, Travis Braden, who's now full-time in the series, won in his ARCA debut at Lucas Oil Raceway because he put tires on when no one else did, thinking they'd have a chance to come back down pit road, and it didn't happen. So... That's a huge strategy that I love following, and now I get a chance to be at all the short tracks on uh, the Arca Racing Series schedule in person this year. So I'm really pumped up for Salem this weekend. Oh, I would be too. I, I will be there, and uh, I'll say hello. And uh, I know you'll be busy, but I'll I'll catch a few minutes with you, Jim. And thanks so much for being on. I could go on for another hour or two with you real easily, but I'm going to turn you over to Jeff because I know he's got some questions for you too. So okay. thanks again. I'll thanks, see you Mark. at Salem. Take her away, Jeff. Thanks, Mark. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Thanks for being on the show tonight and taking time out of your busy schedule. I appreciate the time. I love talking arca racing anytime, anywhere. Um, are you in Wisconsin right now? Yep, we just got a bunch of snow, yes. Uh, I'm not too far from you. I'm just south of the border, right around the Gurney area. Wow, um, way down there, are you? You got How much snow do you get? Yeah, way down there. I got the snow, too. Um, right. I, you're... You were you're from Franklin, Wisconsin. You're about three miles from Hale's Corner. Is yep. that where you basically got your love for racing? Uh, yes, my dad's first cousin um, stored his race car at my dad's auto repair shop, which was literally 15 steps from the front door of our house. So the race car shop was my dad's service garage, and we were three miles from the dirt track, so when those cars were fired up and running hot laps, it was time to go. So I went there every Saturday night, you bet. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because you said I was reading about your dad's garage was in the front of your house. Um, you kind of grew up in the garage. Did you kind of work? Did, did you grow up working on the cars? Or I could officially say on this show I am the son of a mechanic. I can take anything son apart, but I don't know if I can put it back together so good. I'm really good at ripping <laughs> stuff apart, but as far as fixing it to, for <laughs> for you to drive, if I did a brake job on your car, you might want to have someone else inspect it. But I do enjoy the fact that I've been around it my entire life and being at the track and going with my brothers racing. They race carts nationally. One brother won a national championship. Um, my brother started chasing ASA stock cars and doing 60 to 70 races a year as crewmen on late models and driving at the dirt track. And uh, just being around it uh, really helped a bunch when I got the chance 
to do broadcasting and racing, which I never thought would be possible. I didn't think my little radio degree would go anywhere besides local radio and maybe some public address on the short tracks around here. So, yeah, it's all part of it. Um, your family was into racing. You were not necessarily in the grandstands, but you always got to go in the pits. Is that where you kind of got your insight uh, being a broadcaster? Well, Jeff, I would read the what was the uh, at the time the Midwest Racing News, which the weekly publication oh, yeah. it would come out on Great Thursdays, paper. and uh, we would we wouldn't get a subscription, but we'd buy it at the dirt track on Saturdays. So I would read that thing cover to cover on Saturday night before the races started, in between races, and then on Sunday I'd read that thing again. I also read the National Speed Sport News cover to cover when I got that in the mailbox every Tuesday or Wednesday. So I learned about Bubba Jones and uh, all these Bubby Jones and all these guys from the West Coast by reading these magazines. Um, you had TNN, American Sports Cavalcade, that ran, what, four or five, six races a year. I was not a big NASCAR guy. I honestly didn't think that was the biggest thing because we had USAC stock cars when I was growing up and ASA late models, and that became a touring series that I think up to five teams in Milwaukee were based out of and ran that series, so I got to be more involved in that. Um, I started doing public address at Milwaukee and Road America for their IndyCar weekends. Um, I went go-karting with my brothers. I didn't drive much, but just the whole diversity of all that led me to talking more about it. And matter of fact, uh, my first time I ever announced on PA was in 1985 at the WKA Grand National, which is the biggest sprint kart race that the World Kart Association sanctioned at the, at the track that my brothers raced at, and I kind of grew up at as well. And uh, I was handed the mic saying, here, talk. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing up there. I said, well, you've been around this long enough. Talk. So I started my my little uh, PA career as a volunteer, and uh, from that I started calling into a radio show with go-kart results. And that turned into getting press credentials at other racetracks and covering races and getting on the PA for World of Outlaw races when they started showing up in the mid-'80s around Milwaukee. So that really um, kind of propelled me into doing the more on the mic. But learning and reading all that stuff, I never have stopped trying to find as much information to be ready and able when called upon, even at short notice. Two day, I had a two-day notice one time to do an ARCA race at Toledo Speedway. Hey, Jim, what are you doing on Friday? Uh, it's Wednesday. What are you thinking? Well, we need you in Toledo. We don't have a pit reporter. Okay. I didn't know much. You know, I didn't have my ARCA notes then. I didn't follow the series as closely, but I certainly quick, quickly learned in quick fashion and had some great opportunities along the way. Now, you've been around the Milwaukee Mile while it was existing for 30 years. Can you talk about when you started going there and how you – became the broadcaster there? Uh, sure. So in 1903, the track started as a horse track. That's when they put their first stock car on there. Our first race was held in September of 1903. I wasn't around then, obviously. But the tradition and history of that racetrack always revolved around the Indy 500. And they had up to seven sanctioned USAC races between stock cars and Indy cars at that racetrack every year. So not only was the Indy 500 the week before the race at Milwaukee, so all the Indy 500 drivers were there, and I was in the stands starting in about 1971. But those same IndyCar drivers would on occasion drive in the USAC stock cars. So I saw Bobby Unser. I saw Al Unser. I saw Parnelli Jones. I saw A.J. Foyt win a lot of races at Milwaukee in stock cars. So those guys were the big heroes that I kept following, watching, and seeing that kind of thing because they came through town six or seven times a year to watch them race against the USAC drivers. And sometimes there'd be a local short track guy like Russ Peterson or Ted Dolan or Al Schill, race in the USAC stock car race and do pretty well. So it's kind of a cool thing to see your local heroes. And that's when Alan Kowicki kind of started doing that too when he went from dirt tracks around here and paved tracks 
to running some USAC stuff, big heavy cars at tracks, um, including Milwaukee, where he won an ASA race in 1983 that really kind of propelled him to be a factor and say, oh, I think I could do this for a living just a few years later before moving to Charlotte. So all that factored in. I got a chance to work at the Milwaukee Mile starting in 2004. So I worked there for six seasons. And unfortunately, the gentlemen that were involved with the last couple of years I worked there didn't have the proper funding, didn't find a way to fund it, and really left out a lot of people high and dry when it came to keeping that place going, including myself and others that were left out because there was no more racing because the sanction fees weren't paid and um, other promoters came in. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shame that the Milwaukee Mile couldn't keep that legacy going, but the uh, decisions made and the people involved and the people who were writing the checks just didn't have enough to, uh, to operate it. So uh, my passion turned into a full-time job there while doing my racing thing on TV, on Fox, and on other networks, and doing public address at other tracks around the country, including Daytona and Michigan. Um, but, yeah, Milwaukee's always had a special place because it's a place I've seen a ton of races at, all the big stars that come through. Get a chance to interview Mario Andretti, have Ari Line Night the week after he wins the Indy 500 at our radio show that I've hosted now for the last 32 years uh, on a weekly basis. So it's kind of cool to have that, that history right here. And matter of fact, I host a radio show each Tuesday night here in Milwaukee that airs in Milwaukee and Madison that I've been doing now for 30, the show's been around for now 34 years. Every week, April through September, we do a 90-minute radio show, and we actually host it at a bar just outside turn one of the Milwaukee Mile. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that, um, about your radio broadcast you've had for 30, I had 30-plus 30 years, but you say it's 34 years. Um, I'd like to get up there and see that. I'm actually you're going to have that show tomorrow again, and you're going to have uh, tomorrow night, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Six to seven. All right. I'm going to try. I'm going to, I'm going to try to get up there and see that because I was reading about that today. Um, what was your, what was one of your dad's roles about going to the racetrack? Since there was a lot of you boys, if you could. There's a lot what of boys. We only had so many tickets, but dad, uh, we'd bug the bug bug dad to say, Dad, we got to get these. We're crazy about this. We know when the races are at the Milwaukee Mile. We've got to get our tickets now. We know we were going to be going to the dirt track on Saturday nights if, if our grades were good and our, you know, we were in good standing. So we got to go to the track most often on Saturdays. We didn't spend a lot of vacations away uh, from the area, which was cool because then I could hang out with my brothers who were older than me, had their license before I did. We'd drive to different tracks and do that. But my dad seemed to always have a ticket. Um, for me, which was pretty cool. So I'd be like, I'd bug the, you wouldn't believe how much I'd bug him about getting tickets to every race I possibly could go to. He couldn't make all of them. He had a you know six and a half day, uh, six and a half days a week job with the with the auto repair shop, and um, always was there in the stands. He never went in the pits much, um, but he's there to support us for sure. I had four brothers at one time racing different variations of cars, and uh, very much supported them as well. So. Very much a supporter of what we do. What we do. He still comes to the radio show. Um, he's uh, in his 80s now, and he actually has he plays concertina. It's like an accordion, but it's all buttons. And uh, tradition now is <laughs> around my birthday in July. He brings the concertina to the show, and he we end the show with him playing Happy Birthday. So it's kind of fun. I think I seen a little video on him today while I was doing some research on you. I uh, didn't realize that was your father, though. So that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. What was your father's rule if you could go to the bathroom? Oh, yeah. My dad's rule was if you're old enough to go from the bleachers to the bathroom and back to the bleachers where we were seated, you could come to the racetrack. 
So if I was too needy or in diapers, I couldn't go. That was his rule. He didn't want to, you know, he didn't want to have to keep chasing kids in the bathroom back and forth. So if you were old enough to, to find a way to the bathroom and find a way back to where Dad was seated, you could come to the racetrack. So cool. I get around. That's that I've said uh, for years now. I've been going to the racetrack since I was 12. So there you go. <laughs> um, can you talk about your days uh, with uh, you start? Let's talk about Little Arca. You started with the Arca in 1993. You kind of yeah. left. You came back in 2003. About, what yeah. are some of the biggest changes you've seen from the time you were there than the time you came back? Well, I had the fortune in 1993. Arca had their own. Uh, in-house uh, guy named Ray Dunlap, and Ray and I got to be good friends. We're still friends. Um, but 1993, ARCA had sanctioned a midget series, midget car series, uh, that raced an indoor race at the Milwaukee uh, Arena downtown where the Bucks play. That was in the, I think that was in the winter of 92. So Ray came up to help the officiating, and he did some things, I think, for television. He had his own, video, had his own camera. So in 1993... Out of nowhere, he called me and said, hey, Jim, I've got six races we're doing. That's going to be two cameras, me and another guy, and I need a, a co-host because I like what you did with that indoor midget race, and you are really helpful with what I needed, and I think you can do this. And I said, because you're not going to pay me a lot, are you? He said, well, that, that, yeah, we can't pay you a lot. So you want to do this or not? I'm like, yeah, I want to do it. So in the mindset, I did six races with them that aired on Path and Prime Network, which now I think are Fox Regional or ESPN Regional Networks. Um, in 1993, I had six of those events. So I went to Toledo Speedway, Flat Rock, Salem twice. I can't remember where else. Um, one of the dirt tracks I went to. So it would be Ray and I and Glenn. Uh, Glenn and Ray would run camera. So it would be a very low-budget deal. Ray and I would stand in front of Glenn's camera, talk about how good the racing would be. Ray would chase his camera to the roof. Glenn would chase his camera to somewhere else on the racetrack. I would take notes. And then Ray would um, edit the race, I think, the following Wednesday. And I would drive from my house in Milwaukee to Toledo, sleep on Ray's couch on Wednesday night, and we'd drive to the voiceover studio on Thursdays and voice the race that we just had uh, on a tape delayed thing, and I'd drive back home. So it'd be like a six-hour drive there and back, plus to the track and back, and spending my time doing that. So long answer to your question, what's different? 1993, there were big steel-bodied cars, fresh off the cup tracks, big heavy engines. Uh, the Keselowski family was certainly part of the um, legacy of what was going on then. Uh, Frank Kimmel was just coming into his own. I think he was racing for Terry Shirley then. He was it with um, Larry Clement, who had all the success with, with the number 46 car. So there was a lot of guys that were just grizzled veterans. Bob Brevac was part of the deal. Um, you know, he, Todd Bauscher was there racing. Maybe Jack's youngest son. So seeing those guys, actually 1993, Jeremy Mayfield was the rookie of the year that year. Um, and on the short tracks, you didn't have the big names because they didn't have the big cup drivers. You know, they did, we didn't see Ryan Newman bring his cup car to Flat Rock, but he brought his cup car to Pocono. Those kind of things. You know, Arco would always have the NASCAR influence, getting some of these development drivers uh, experience. So, in '93, I saw a lot of guys run some really serious laps. And Dave Weltmeyer ran the Rulo Brothers car and won some races. And Joy Fair actually came back and ran some races well after he was um, full time into it. So it's kind of neat to see that. Ohio and, and uh, Michigan, Indiana history, and those short track racers battling it out uh, on the short tracks in 93. Fast forwarding to 2003, a lot of difference, uh, a lot more professionalism, a lot more uh, teams that I could see could do this for a living. They weren't just, you know, 
seven or eight guys, there were 10 or 15, 20 teams that were doing it full-time, employing people that were either going to NASCAR or coming back from NASCAR. And the equipment certainly changed over that time period as well. And then the evolution of the composite bodies we talked about in the beginning of our show here, um, that has now brought another wave of, of newness and influence and MDM motorsports and what they're able to do with all that good equipment and good people. So it has changed for sure. 1993 was a survival game. You know there was five or six guys to worry about. And uh, in, in 2003, 2004, you had started the super team of Venturini coming in, and Eddie Sharp had two or three teams a race, and you had Dodge bringing in guys like Parker Kligerman and Taylor Malsum to the short tracks of ARCA to get, to get approval um, through their driver development program that ended up Cunningham Motorsports ended up kind of spearheading that. So there was a lot of, a lot of differences. Looking back through those race results, uh, I, I honestly, some of the names, I'm like, ooh, I don't remember that guy at all. But uh, it's been great to see the series uh, flourish as it has over the years. Now, in between the 1993 and the 2003, um, you went to TNN and worked in, with uh, Ralph Shaheen with the, ASA, the old ASA series on TNN. You had about 100 ASA events and like 50 road pit road analysis. Can you kind of talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, ASA was a very successful short track touring series that ran a lot of the short tracks ARCA still runs today. They, uh, on occasion, would run 20 races a year, and TNN had started televising those races in the early 90s, so they'd have four or five races on a year live on TNN. And as they were doing that, uh, I got certainly more aware of what they were doing. They would race the Milwaukee Mile twice a year, so I saw them twice a year in the early 90s. Actually, it's in, I think 1978 was the first time they sanctioned races at Milwaukee. So by the time 1993 rolled around, I'd probably seen, oh... 20 ASA races maybe in that in that span, 20 or 25 at different tracks. And they were co-sanctioned with other big tracks. I went to the National American 400 in the 80s. So I was around that. But in 93, they started a radio network. And I happened to be, um, I cold called the network. I said, hey, if you guys need someone to help you with the radio broadcast and you come to Milwaukee in May, I'd love to help you. And from that, I got to do some radio calls. Dave Burns, who now is on TV with NBC, Dave Burns and I were the radio co-anchors uh, of that um, uh, ASA radio broadcasts that were live from the track. We had affiliates around the country. It was a lot of fun. From that, my knowledge grew greatly on ASA. And in 96, when Ralph Sheen went from pit road for the TV broadcast to the booth, and they had two openings on the broadcast, they brought in Dave Burns to do pit road, and they brought me to sit next to Ralph Sheen for what was then 20 races live on TNN for a number of years. So between the production companies coming and going, Bob, Buddy Baker, Bob Dillner, Steve Burns, Rick Benjamin, those are guys that were involved in these broadcasts over the iterations, and I had been probably the only mainstay of the ASA television broadcast, whether it be I'm on the air or I'm on pit road or what have you. I had a lot of fun traveling the country, doing these races live on TNN, and then live on speed, which led me to uh, doing some ARCA races that turned into more often than not in 2005 when the ASA National Tour just uh, kind of went away. So I'm really glad that ARCA folks uh, trusted me to carry on what I know as information and telling their stories on pit road and on, in the booth when I get a chance. So that was 93 to 03. Yeah, it was 10 years of uh, following ASA hard, hardcore. And uh, in 2003 when I got the chance to do some ARCA races on speed, I jumped at the chance. Yeah, when those TN TNN had those series of ASA racing, that was some of the best racing you could see, and a lot of, saw a lot of great drivers in those days. 
and they would keep coming back. I mean, Mark Martin would come back and race, and Dick Trickle would come back and race three or four races when they were full active on their NASCAR careers. And then you'd have, you know, Adam Petty, the fourth generation of Petties. He came through ASA. Kyle Busch, when he was too young to race NASCAR at age 18, he had already run trucks at age 16. NASCAR made a rule at California Speedway because Marlboro had a contract with IndyCar. Anyone racing on an IndyCar weekend had to be age 18. That still is the case in IndyCar. Well, the NASCAR trucks were racing with IndyCar that weekend in California. Kyle was 16, fastest truck on the track, and they said, we can't have that kid race. We can't have him on the racetrack. This is our contract where IndyCar owns the sanction for the weekend. So Kyle Busch got turned away from NASCAR until he turned 18. Where did he turn? He went to ASA and ran a full schedule there with his dad, Tom, and, and uh, guys out of Ohio that really, really taught him a lot. So it was great to see those drivers come through, and there's a lot of other drivers. David Stremme came through. Uh, there's a lot of really good race drivers that I still see and get to reminisce with a bit uh, about all the fun we had doing those ASA races. 300 lap races at Salem, uh, 400 laps at, at Winchester. We would run I-70 Speedway. Um, Milwaukee was the biggest oval. Uh, we did Topeka on a road course, uh, ran out to Irwindale Speedway in California, went as far south as Pensacola and St. Augustine, Florida. Lakeland, Florida was always the season opener, I think, for four or five straight years. So it was really cool to to have that schedule, and the racers were certainly a big family. Now, getting back to the Milwaukee Mile, uh, how hard is it to see them not racing there, and do you think we'll ever see them race there again? Well, the, there is some pulse. Um, the, there's some um, road course events going on through two different clubs, the Milwaukee Region of SECA, as well as the Midwest Council of Sports Car Clubs. Um, just this year, there's going to be a Milwaukee Street Drags, which will be drag, drag racing down the front stretch going the wrong way. Um, that should draw some interest. Uh, the last couple of races that were run there were IndyCar events put on by Andretti's Sports Marketing Group. Um, and there also was a very successful um, two- or three-year run with the um, Superlates and the Arca Midwest Tour, uh, which was, I think, ASA-sanctioned at the time. Um, they had a really successful Rusty Wallace came back and raced in a uh, weeknight late model event there. Um, and then it changed to a weekend, and then it kind of lost its luster and went away. So as I as I sit across from that racetrack every Tuesday looking at the racetrack when I'm doing my radio show, I'm like, man, I wish there was more going on there for sure. track's ready to go. Anybody can rent it. Uh, just got to find a way to, to make it happen monetarily and, and, and fund a good promotion and get people aware and get people excited again about racing at the mile and get, putting on a good show. Yeah, I've seen a lot of good races there. I'd, I'd hate to see it just sit there and like so many other tracks that are closing up. Um, um, being from the Midwest, uh, um, before I end with you, I'm going to throw a couple names out there, and if you could uh, just sum up some words from them, like Dick Trickle. One of the best, if not the best, when it came to racers, uh, the definition of a racer. He would tell you what shocks he was running. He would help you figure out what you need to do on the racetrack. He would loan you parts off of his truck. He always said, if I don't know what you have under your car, I can't trust how, if I can pass you or not. But if I give you my springs and if I give you my tire pressures and I let you dial in your car to be faster, then I can trust you. It also paid off where if you went to Dick for help, you know that if you were getting lapped by Dick, you wouldn't be in his way as much because you're like, oh, that's Dick. I better get out of his way. I'm not as fast as he is today. Rusty Wallace would make Monday morning calls every Monday to Dick and talk about what they did over the weekend and racing and what, they, what gears he used and what suspension he ended up going with. And um, He taught a lot of people how to race. The great thing about him is he never wanted to leave the racetrack. He always wanted. To, he was always the center of attention. Uh, if it came down to a beer cooler or two or four or five, and he had beer sponsors throughout his <laughs> racing career, 
great place to cool off and have one. But um, he was truly the, the, the professor, if you will, of short track racing in Wisconsin. Not only did he make a living at it, and he could go to the World Series of Asphalt New Smyrna and win that, he had contemporaries like Junior Handling and guys that would pay a lot of attention to the changing uh, tides of how bodies were mounted, how what engines were working right, where you could run your exhaust, how to make your own stuff work, build your own chassis, un, you know, redo chassis day to day when they ran nine straight nights in New Smyrna in February. You know, try to make a living doing that and trying to get your car changed over to the fast setup that you didn't know existed until you got there. So Trickle was all part of that, and I made a lot of people better racers because he raced them clean, and he was so good at what he did and uh, was so hospitable to fans and everybody that just wanted to be around him. I'm going to, with the anniversary of a couple deaths of Alan Kowicki and you uh, and Steve Burns, I'm not sure if you ever worked with Steve Burns. But yeah, can you yeah, with kind Steve of they, elaborate yeah. on both of them a little bit? Steve Burns worked really hard. Uh, whenever you saw a studio show, whether it be on TNN or on Speed or on Fox Sports 1, and it was the magazine-type show where they're in the studio and they go to the, they go to the racetrack for updates, uh, the TNN winners show, the TNN race day shows, on through for um, years, Steve was involved in those and worked tirelessly at doing that, in addition to being on pit road for all the Fox races as a pit reporter and hosting the pre-race shows and doing the practice shows and doing the fan midway um, speed stage uh, type involvements. Very hard worker, very diligent. I got to work with him one year when he came to ASA because he had a booth opportunity because uh, he was doing races for TNN on pit road for NASCAR. And a lot of those people came over to um, do uh, ASA races because they didn't conflict with the TNN Cup races at the time. So he got the chance to come over and be a booth analyst, which he jumped at. So I got to spend a full summer with him at the short tracks when ASA ran 20 races, and I loved it. We stayed friends from then on. I was at the track. My role, as it is today for the last six years, when Steve was going through his health battles, was going to the track as either a public address guy or the host on the screens for the Jumbotrons at the NASCAR event weekends. So I'd see Steve on occasion. We'd say hi, hello, a quick handshake, a quick wave. Um, but really following his example, it would be hard to re- replicate because he was so good at what he did and spent so much time getting things right. And I believe his 59th birthday would have been yesterday. Um, but seeing how he struggled and how he's an inspiration to others as well and through his illness with head and neck cancer, it was really cool to see how people reacted and how many people he affected. And I don't think many broadcasters will have that grasp or grip I think Ken Squire comes to mind. Very few people on that list. Mike Joy, I think, to a degree, um, will have that reverence. But Steve was in the trenches every day. So everybody knew who Steve was. And when he wanted to do something, you know he'd do it right. So uh, utmost respect for Steve. With Alan Kowicki, uh, I saw him race at my little dirt track in Hell's Corner Speedway. Um, he had graduated high school and bought a dirt late model after going go-karting for a number of years. I didn't know him at the go-kart track. My brothers were not quite racing there then. They came around right after he moved on to late model, so I saw him at race every Saturday night. Then he progressed to racing the same dirt late model as, a, as a, on asphalt as on dirt. And he got his name in the paper a bunch, and I saw just started seeing him race everywhere. And every big race I went to, he'd race and run well and sometimes win. And um, His really good friend was the guy who had the yellow number 97 paint job, that radio station on Allen's car that he ran around locally and then nationally on ASA and the USAC circuits. That yellow paint job and the number 97 on the door was through my friend Terry Jeffords, who started the radio show I still host. So Terry and Allen were friends, 
And through that friendship and relationship, I got to do a lot of things around Alan. I wouldn't call him a friend of mine, but he and Terry were tight. They would spend hours uh, at least once a week on the phone at midnight uh, on the phone for an hour, just catching up on stuff. And Terry was very much supporting Alan, what he did, and was a, certainly a confidant. So I didn't, I didn't call Alan a friend, but he was on our radio show a number of times. Uh, when I was at the track, I certainly rooted for him. Um, I could give you my little short Alan Kowicki list of I was there, I went to the same high school he did uh, years later, a decade later. I went to the same college he did and graduated from UW-Milwaukee. He was in engineering. I was in communications. I was there for his first NASCAR Cup Series victory in Phoenix in 1988. That was my first cup race. I was there for his first ASA win at Milwaukee in 1983. I was in the stands for that. I was, at the, uh, I was in Milwaukee when he qualified on the pole for the uh, NASCAR, was then Bush Grand National Circuit, um, which didn't have a full field, and they... Trickle ran to the car, and Alan ran to the car, and ran well. Um, and through all of Alan's NASCAR career, I got to be around him. I got to interview him. I got to be near him. And uh, when he passed away, it was a huge blow to Milwaukee um, in general. And 25 years later, uh, these guys with Dinner with Racers is a great podcast. You need to download it if you didn't know anything about Kowicki or want to learn. They have a four-part uh, audio episode now on, on their podcast platform. And I was part of when they came to Milwaukee and, and sat around for three days, and they didn't sit much, actually. They drove to a lot of different places that retraced Alan's steps here. So it was great to kind of relive that just a month ago. Um, but the video also, I think I shared it on my Facebook page. If you just click on Jim Trado on Facebook, you'll see that I, I shared the video that they put together as well. Uh, they went to a lot of tracks, a lot of people that Alan knew well. That brought back a bunch of memories. And when he passed, it was a very sad day. Terry Jeffords was, I don't think, ever the same because we produced a radio show that I think um, national media picked up on. We were the grieving spot for racers. That was kind of a a good and bad thing. Uh, after Alan passed away, it was our first show of that year in April of 93, and um, we had hundreds of people pack that place, and media showed up, and, and we're fortunate that we were able to help people start to heal because a lot of people he worked with or raced with were there. Um, I know I'm going along on this Kowicki thing, but when he passed, uh, they uh, had a park dedication uh, locally. I was part of that park dedication. Uh, just prior to his passing, he came back to Milwaukee for an Alan Kowicki day at the local high school. I helped coordinate that and host that. Uh, he was inducted in the Wisconsin Sports Hall of Fame. Kyle Petty, Don Hawk, Eddie Gossage flew up in a plane for that evening's gala after Alan passed away. It was the only sports figure, I think, in the 50 years of the Wisconsin Sports Hall of Fame where uh, sports figure was inducted by fan contribution, not by a corporate donor. So um, uh, Terry was passing the helmets in the grandstands and getting Allen in the, in inducted in the Hall of Fame. I was on stage with Kyle Petty in, inducting Allen into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, when there's things that you talk about Kowicki, I lived through that with Terry. And when Terry passed away, it was just another way to say, okay, how can we keep this Kowicki legacy going? And Mike Joy, I'll never forget, Mike Joy this past weekend mentioned Allen because Bristol was the track event weekend where Alan perished in that plane crash 25 years ago. And I do recall seeing Mike Joy at the hotel the night after Alan won his first cup race in 1988. I found out through Terry, who was there as well, at Phoenix, hey, the party is at this hotel. And my brother and I had no intention of going anywhere besides the airport to fly home in our red eye. We show up at this party. There's a big U-shaped table. Alan's not there yet, but the guy that was sitting next to Alan's spot was Mike Joy. So they have held a kindled, uh, a close relationship, and I'm really glad to see that when, when Kyle Busch wins the, the cup race like he did today and did the Polish victory lap, it's mentioned by Mike Joy. When I see it happen on the racetrack, like I did at Nashville uh, on 
last weekend, and and um, Zane Smith did that. I mentioned it. I think it's important that people realize that as quirky as he was and as smart as he was, he did a lot of things right and did it with a, a lot less people than, than you'd imagine. So he did a lot of things on his own and taught a lot of people how to do it without having to spend millions of dollars on technology that may work. So he influenced a lot of people, including myself, and what he did, how he did it. And, um, you know, we all get to share in the joy of him winning the championship with 16 full-time employees. And looking back on it, you know, that will never be done again. So it's kind of cool that he's from this area, and I, I had so many connections with him before and after his death. All right, Jim. Uh, I want to thank you for everything tonight. Um, I could go on forever, but um, I'm going to have to get up and try to see your show, maybe if not this week, sometime in the near future. Um, and I want to thank you for being on the Rowdy Maglite Racing Show, and I'm going to turn you back over to Rowdy. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Mike, Mark, and uh, Rowdy. I don't know. you got some guys lined up here that have their, they have their notes figured out. This is kind of a fun thing after three <laughs> years of doing this, isn't it? Hey, it, listen, it's, we, we are truly blessed, Jim, to be in the ARCA. It's one big family. You being on tonight, hey, we, you know, you take time out. It's been an awesome show. Uh, I, how can we find you? Can we follow your, your uh, Racing Roundtable, Roundup? Oh, yeah. Where can we... uh, the radio show is, is racingroundup.net. So if you go to that website, racingroundup.net, that's our radio show website. And that's probably the closest you'll get to seeing me other than on Facebook or Twitter and that kind of stuff with my name uh, uh, just in the in the name. At Jim Trado is my Twitter handle. And uh, on Facebook, just look me up. And, um, yeah, I just enjoy it so much. The radio show has a Facebook page as well. But we have our shows are archived on that site as well. So if you're saying, what's this crazy idea about a radio show in front of a live audience? Come on. But we, uh, we had the track champion from Wisconsin International Raceway actually on the show this past Tuesday. He brought his uh, traveling trophy with him. He brought his friends with him. He brought his crew chief with him. Um, we had a great time. A really good show. And we have a, a lot of different drivers and teams we talked to. talked to motorcycle racers, boat racers, drag racers. Of course, a lot of stock car and open wheel as well in the area. So it's a really good, fun show that talks about a lot of Wisconsin racing and national stuff, too. So thanks for letting me plug that. Well, Jim, we appreciate you giving your Monday night to us, and we're looking forward to a long season this this year and being able to see you at several of the races. Yeah, sounds good. I'd love to be back on if you have the chance. I uh, wouldn't mind blabbing some more about how much we all like ARCA. Hey, we're going to work you in, Jim. Looking <laughs> forward to it. We'll Bye, see you at the track, sir. Thanks a lot, Thanks, Jim. You bet. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Mark. Thanks Jim. All right, guys. Hey, let's uh, let's Ooh. stop and, and uh, do this right here real quick. Pack up the crew and head out to Talladega Super Speedway for race weekend, April 27th through 29th. GEICO 500 ticket holders can enjoy free camping in three different campgrounds around the track. This is more than a race. This is Talladega. All right, everybody. From the North Park, the Dega Party Crew, we got Eric. No. Hey, Eric, how are you tonight? Hey, Robbie, how you doing, buddy? Man, just trying to get that Talladega on. Oh, I know. We've been working hard trying to get everything set, ready to go. I finally got my camper pulled down to the house today, getting it packed up. It's getting uh, ready to I, roll noticed, up there. I, I see you've got new improvements coming to the North Park to your camp. Yes, sir. Uh, we upgraded the bar this year. Uh, we went to a stainless bar instead of a bar made out of 
just a get by bar made out of OSD. Uh, we built a nice new stainless top bar with a uh, metal face on it. Built a matching DJ booth to go with it. Uh, you know, for all of our sound system, we've upgraded our sound system, which of course you saw back in the October race. Uh, you know, just getting things ready to go. It's always a bigger and better. What can we do to make it bigger and better? And what can we do to make it more enjoyable for everybody there? Well, if you, if anybody's listening, they've never been there. Uh, it's one of the in the North Park. It's one of the best places to one of the best places to stop. Eric, if you you gonna have the Big Ten again this race? Yeah, um, we will have the Big Ten there Monday morning. Uh, me and my buddy Stephen Wright, he will be meeting me at Talladega Saturday morning. Um, because, you know, we, we really get into Talladega. We are some of the lucky few people that get to go and camp on the side of the road waiting on North Park to open. Um, we'll get to the – we'll be on the shoulder of the road Saturday afternoon and camp Saturday and Sunday on the side of the road and enter North Park uh, bright and early Monday morning. Uh, the last couple of years that we've done this, we are typically the third and fourth vehicle into North Park. Uh, we get beat out by a couple people every year that get there from Florida that are also good buddies of ours. Um, but we'll get in there Monday morning and start setting up and get the tent up. Uh, it'll be up Monday. Hopefully by about lunch we'll be done with it and get everything rocking and rolling on setup. Eric, if if you've never been over to the North Park, how how can they, when you come into the, oh, there's only one entrance to the North Park. From there, well, have you got any kind of direction yeah, to get to? Yeah, um, you've, you've actually got two entrances to North Park. Um, you've got the one down right past the exit, which is almost uh, – it's going to be just before you would turn left to turn to go over to the track. There's an entrance to North Park, and there's big signs that say entrance. And then there's also an entrance that opens up on Thursday over right next to the entrance to the dirt track. Um, But – the easiest way would be coming in the entrance uh, down by the exit of North Park, which is the one that I stated is going towards the entrance of the track. You're going to be pulling in, and you're going to be looking straight at the flagpoles at the top of the hill. So you come up that hill, go all the way to the end by the flagpole, and turn right and just stay straight. And when you start going back up the hill, well, Rowdy, you know as good as anybody, if you miss that 10 on your right, then you're not looking. Well, it, you got that cage lit up too, so that's a. It, it, you look to the right after you go start up the next hill, you can't miss it. Really, I mean, it's it's. Uh, no. You gotta. <laughs> yeah. And you never. Oh, and I mean, the great thing, Eric, is you never know who's going to show up at your ca- at your campsite there, do you? Last year you no, were in no, October. We, you, yeah, October, we had uh, A.J. Allmendinger just randomly show up and hang out for a little while. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was that was the first time we've had a NASCAR driver come over, and we had no idea he was coming. He just he just pulled up in the truck and, hey, how y'all doing? I'm A.J. You know, nice as could be, real down-to-earth guy. Uh, really enjoyed hanging out and talking with him, and, uh, you know, it was, it was a really good time. Well... Actually, we got to we stumbled in there when AJ was there, and I'm telling you, he's kind yep. of a cut up, isn't he? He 
Oh, yeah. I had a good time listening to him. I grabbed the yeah. camera, or and I was going to hand the camera to one of my friends to take a picture of us, too. And he goes, well, hey, I'll take a picture of y'all. I'm like, hey, dude, I want a picture with you, not them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's definitely a joker. Well, Eric, but, uh, where can they follow you on social media? I'm sure y'all y'all are probably posting. You've got the you've got the oh, yeah. uh, Dega Party Crew page. Yeah, um, we've got a Twitter, we've got a Instagram, we've got Facebook, uh, we've got a Snapchat. But to be completely honest with you, the only the the best way is the Facebook one. The other ones, I I don't tweet. I. I've been on Twitter one time and I just don't get into it. Um, so the best way to get a hold of us is on Facebook and just in your search bar, just type in Dega Party Crew. It's just Dega Party Crew, plain and simple. We'll be the first one that pulls up. You can like our page. We're constantly posting on there, constantly giving updates. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it is more than just right around Talladega. We do it year round. There's, there's something new up there, um, and be watching out for it because we've got some uh, we got some announcements we're going to be making on it next week on some things that we're doing for race week. Uh, you know, some keeping some tricks up our sleeves for it to kind of keep everybody on their toes. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's we got some big stuff coming. Well, Eric, throw out uh, talk about the guys that kind of help you put this together. Give give them a little shout out there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I definitely wanted to get to that. We've got Stephen Wright, which is one of my best friends that lives in Tennessee. I actually met him at Talladega. Me and him fight about this all the time because we can't remember how long ago it was. Now. It was a good six, seven years ago. Uh, he just pulled up camping right next to where we were already set up at. And back then, it was nothing more than just a single camper with a single canopy and a $30 Walmart grill. And you've seen firsthand what we've grown into now. But, uh, you know, he'll be there with me all week. He's, you know, one of my absolute best friends. We do all the Talladega stuff together, and we finally got to the point of where we can hang out more than just the Talladega. I see him, shoot, since January, I've seen him about a dozen times. Uh, you've got Brian, Brian Dickey Dodson. Uh, he runs all of our sound stuff. He's another one of my absolute best friends. Uh, you know, he'll be there the majority of the week with us. You got Harley Gibson, which is a brother to me. I love him to death. Craziest guy you'll ever meet. Bend over backwards to help us out and do things. Uh, and then we've got other family members coming in. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a whole crew of us. When we talk about the Dega Party Crew, I mean, of course, we're it, it's our specific group of about 25 of us that just love Talladega. But then Dega Party Crew is also more than just us. It's it's everybody at North Park. It's everybody in the infield. We've got, you know, Denny Wilson, Shane Norell, all of them over in the infield that have become good buddies of ours uh, that, you know, help. I don't want to say promote us, but they definitely talk us up about, you know, you got the infielders and the outfielders of Talladega where everybody refers to, you know, us as the place to go to in North Park. 
Oh, and they definitely help send the people over there to have a good time. Because, I mean, it's all, it's all about a good time to us. We want everybody to come there and have a good time. Oh, and I mean, we don't, I mean, you just randomly walk up and, you know, come over and hang out and say, hey, I've met countless people. That's how I met you, Rowdy, was just that's, randomly that's hanging out in North Park. Well, actually, that big cage it was really impressive when I drove through there and I had to stop. <laughs> yeah we uh we have a thing about talladega with us you know i mean you've got you got people that put them up here and there but i'm yet to see anybody that's got one like ours and i'm by no, no means trying to put us on a pedestal but it's all about bigger better what can we do to really stand out and that's how well, that cage was born if you if you feel lonesome at Talladega and you have nowhere, no friends to go, go and look for that lit up cage and that big tent, and you'll find yep. the Dega party crew. And stop right there yep. and say, "Hey, I need a friend," and it'll all be. Yep. You'll, you'll have more than you can you'll stand. Be, you'll be in good hands, and you'll have more people than you know what to do with there. Well, Eric, man, I appreciate it's all, you It's stopping. all about a good time. I appreciate you stopping by and hollering at us, and I can't wait till I see you there. I'll probably see you Thursday afternoon sometime. Yeah, that sounds great, man. You know, you're more than welcome to come over whenever you want to, and I appreciate the opportunity to be able to chat with you tonight. Well, we got several guys that's never been to Dega, and I want to bring them by and let them see what's happening over on the north side at your place. Oh, most definitely bring them over. You know we know we, you know we know how to break in newbies. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, Eric, uh, one mm-hmm. more time. Where can they follow you on social media? On the uh, uh, Facebook page. Yeah, check us out on Facebook at Dega Party Crew. Uh, just go to the search bar, type in Dega Party Crew. We'll pull up. Uh, just like and follow us. Be ready for updates. Uh, yeah. All that good stuff. Well, all right, Eric. I appreciate you stopping in tonight, my man. All right, Rowdy. Well, I sure do appreciate it, buddy, and looking forward to seeing you, man. Uh, I'm me too, Eric. I, I'm looking, wait, can't wait to see that big bar that you got. That's really a nice improvement to what you had last year. Yeah, I think it's going to work out all right. Hopefully everybody likes it as much as we do. Well, looking forward to seeing you having cold beer with you. Yes, sir. Most definitely. I'll have one poured up waiting on you. All right, Eric. We'll see you Thursday, my friend. All right, buddy. Be good. I will. Thanks for being part of the Rowdy Maglite Show. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it. I'll see you later. All right, Eric. This is power. This is tradition. This is Talladega. The biggest party in NASCAR returns April 27th through 29th. All right, folks. I think we got our next guest coming on. I'd like to welcome to the Rowdy Maglite Show tonight, Richard Date from Salem Speedway. Welcome, Richard. Hey, thank you. Good to be here. Good, always great to talk to you guys. Well, Richard, I bet you have been some more busy today. Yeah, we've <laughs> it, it's been a tough preseason here at, at Salem with the weather and and trying to get ready and 
and today wasn't a good day in Salem. It uh, it almost reminds you of the weather that uh, was in Nashville a couple of weeks ago. But uh, uh, fortunately, it's looking like tomorrow things are going to turn better and uh, it's going to warm up uh, as the week goes on. And and yeah, we've got a lot of things to do. Uh, the, the weather's definitely got us behind. Well, Richard, I'll tell you, uh, September was my first race at, at uh, Salem, and I'll tell you, for short track racing, it sure wasn't a very exciting race. Yeah, you know, uh, especially ARCA, uh, they, they've, over the last 20 years that I've been involved there, there's just been some awesome races, and uh, there's a lot of action. That It's a track that really... Uh, puts the driver in in control of things and and it's not like who just has the strongest car of course if you have a good car uh, that definitely helps but uh, it uh, it really tests the driver and uh, and the, the queen probably comes to the top of Salem well uh, you know I got to come in on Friday night and uh, camp and got to meet some folks that had of course you know Anytime you're at a racetrack and you're camping, it's not hard to meet friends. And That's I got good. into one one camper, Richard, and this, this old, well, when I say old fellow, just maybe a few years older than I was, who had said he had been there ever since he was old enough to sit in the stands. And some of the history he told me about Salem was just unbelievable. Yeah, you know, it's definitely a historic track. It first opened in 47. Uh, early years were really built on open-wheel cars, and, and all the greats, uh, the Troy Rutmans, the Vops Wikers, uh, the Andrettis, the Foyts, uh, you know, the list just goes on and on of the open-wheel drivers that raced there before they went on to Indy. Now it's more of the stock car drivers that race in Salem before they go to Daytona. And, again, I think this year uh, 18 of the 40 starters at Daytona this year had raced Salem at some point in their career. So, yeah, a lot, a lot of history there uh, and, and still making history, especially with some of these young guns that are coming up uh, that's in the ARCA series right now. I have no doubt that uh, we're going to be seeing them in, in one of the NASCAR series in the next few years. Well, Richard, I, you know – I was at Nashville, and I seen you walk by, but I was so cold I couldn't talk. I just told Jim Trudeau the same thing. Jim, I hate to didn't talk to you, but I was so cold I couldn't talk. Yeah, it uh, it was pretty miserable down there. And I, well, had, I had teams testing last week and had different uh, crew members say that uh, that was about as cold as they ever were at a, at a racetrack. It was for me, and I, I, like I told Jim and Mark and Jeff, I'd never been to a race track when it was snowing. Of course, I mean, it, it, we had just snow flurries, but had, I never had been. A lot of rain, never no snow flurries. Yeah, it sure did, especially during practice down there. Well, y'all kind of get the show kicked off on Saturday. Well, actually, the, tr the trucks come rolling in on Friday, but... ARCA's allowed to come in on the infield on Saturday, so it kind of starts rolling on Saturday this weekend. Yeah, actually, uh, at practice and uh, pole qualifying on Saturday for the ARCA Racing Series and, and also our uh, 
Lucas Oil Great American Stocks, which is the sport division for the ARCA cars uh, this coming weekend. So, yeah, they practice, qualify on Saturday, and then uh, then we go racing on Sunday. Hey, Mark, you're, you're live with Richard Nate. Thanks, Rowdy. Hi, Richard. It's good to have you back on the show again. We always like having you on. You're, you're so informative, and uh, I hope you've warmed up since Nashville. I think I'm still trying to thaw out. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what I uh, was talking to Rowdy about. It, it was horrible, but actually in Salem, it was just about as bad today. It was in the 30s. The wind was blowing. Uh, we had snow. We had ice coming down. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the, of the uh, weekend at Nashville. But uh, the good thing is, is uh, that weather's going to move out of here, and uh, it looks like uh, starting tomorrow it's going to warm up each day this uh, this week, and and hopefully by race weekend uh, we're going to have some good race weather. Well, the last I looked, at, it's supposed to be a good 30 degrees warmer than Nashville, and. Uh, no rain in the forecast, and uh, maybe a little cloudy, but we'll take a little cloudy as long as we can race. Well, I tell you, the way it's been in, in southern Indiana and throughout the region, uh, most of the short tracks in this area that, that run weekly haven't gotten a show in, in yet, especially the dirt tracks. And uh, it's, it's just really been bad for the last month uh, of cold and rain. And so, uh, yeah, not only Salem, we're hoping this weather will clear up so uh all of the other area tracks and get, get started up also. Well, we, we got to talk a little bit at Nashville about uh, uh, the, the conditions, and uh, there's, there's nothing you can do about it, and it's probably a promoter's worst nightmare is the weather, isn't it? Oh, it is. It is. You know, I've, I've often said that uh, operating a racetrack like farming, that you can have the, the best laid plans and weather, you know, is can either make you look like a hero or a zero. And, uh, yeah, it, yeah. Uh, my wife uh, on many occasions has threatened to take uh, uh, the weather channel off of our cable because she said that kind of sets my tone for the week. That uh, and, and, you know, it's too early to look at the weather seven days, ten days out. They They really say about Three days out is, is where they can best uh, uh, give you a forecast, but uh, it's hard not to look at it two weeks in advance or even a month in advance. And and uh, but yeah, that that's one of the that's one of the toughest parts about promoting is is the weather, and it's something you have no control over, of course. No, there, there, there isn't. It's in somebody else's hands, and it's not yours, and that makes it even more frustrating, I'm sure. Yeah, it, it, it sure does. As I say, it, uh, you know, and, and when I see a track, uh, well, like Nashville, you know, what it did to the crowd down there, I really feel bad for them because I know uh, if, if that would have been you, our race, I'd, pro- I'd probably been crying on that day. You, you've been in the same situation with uh, with weather and, and uh, how it affects your uh, your crowd and uh, yeah, you, you got to feel for it. Uh, hopefully, they're with their future endeavors, they'll be able to make up for that a little bit. And I just yeah, remember history wise, go ahead, Richard. Yeah, as I say, you know, we'll, we'll all get into the season and and uh, it'll probably turn off. Uh, 
hot and dry, and we'll forget about how we started out. But uh, it has been tough for everybody here early this year. Well, this weekend's going to change all that. It's going to be nice out, and we're going to get a really good racing weekend, then, Richard. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, for, for, you know, 30-some years, I've been coming down to Salem, and uh, it's got a mystique about it, and that mystique's worth coming down to see. So uh, I will see you on Sunday. Uh, looking forward to it. And I'm going to turn you over to Jeff for a bit. Okay. Thanks, Richard. Take her away, Jeff. Thanks, Mark. Hey, Richard, thanks for being on the show and uh, taking time out of your busy schedule. I know you got a lot going on this week. Uh, how much does it take to get ready for a, an event like this? Well, you know, I mean, actually, you, you start planning a year in advance. Uh, normally when, uh, when ARCA comes in for the fall race at Salem, that's when we start talking about uh, the dates. Uh, normally by the time they come to Salem, for the fall race, we have dates in mind where we're going to be running the, the next year. And, you know, I sat down with uh, Ron Drager and some of the other people with ARCA, and we start planning some of the things that we're going to be doing. And and so, really, it, it's not a stretch to think it, it's a year in the planning. Uh, of course, a lot of things you can't get done until uh, the weather breaks in the spring, and then, uh, and then it really gets busy. And... Uh, of course, this year, like we've been talking about, the weather's been uh, not been on our side, so it's really uh, shortening everything up. And even this week, we still got a lot of painting to do, a lot of uh, grass to cut, and and uh, you know we'll uh, we may not have it exactly the way we want it, but uh, we're going to get there this week and get a lot of things done outside. Now, this is the 103rd running of the ARCA series. What makes it so successful that you think ARCA keeps coming back to your track? Well, you know, um, yeah, ARCA first came to Salem, and I believe it was 1955 when it was actually called uh, Mark before they had changed the name to ARCA. And uh, they've ran at Salem now more times than at any other track that they run at. And, uh, you know, the one thing that really gave ARCA a shot in the arm uh, several years ago was uh, we had a lot of local drivers that were running ARCA. I mean, you know, I give a lot of credit to uh, Frank Kimmel, and and Frank and and, uh, Tim Steele had uh, quite a rivalry going at Salem and and, uh, some really wild races and really got the interest going. And then we had Dill Whittemore from – up at Seymour, Indiana, which is just about uh, 25, 30 miles away. Uh, John Gill, the dirt racer from over at Mitchell, he was real close. And, of course, we had Chase Briscoe running at Salem a couple of years ago. He's from Mitchell. So we had a lot of local interest because of local drivers, and, and that really helped build it. And then it just kind of became a tradition of, uh, yeah, that you know, spring and fall we go to Salem to the ARCA race camping. You know, we'll have uh, – probably a couple hundred campers uh, uh, out in the parking lot. And, and uh, it's just kind of, uh, it's, it's grown into more than just a race. It's an event. And uh, it's a lot of fun, and, and I think that's a lot of it. By the last 20 ARCA races, there's been 16 different winners. Um, what can you tell the people what they can expect this weekend, especially 16 out of 20 races, different winners, and uh, – 
these young kids in the ARCA series. What can we expect this weekend? Do you expect think? Well, I tell you, I, I've uh, we've had a lot of testing uh, uh, last Thursday and Friday at the track, and, and to watch these kids and and run a lot of laps, and I think we had one one that got into the wall and just scraped it a little bit. I mean, it's just amazing how talented these young young guys and girls are, and and man, if I had to pick a winner right now, uh, I don't know. I I was doing a press release, and and you kind of try to pick out a few drivers that uh, that you want to feature, and I looked at the list and looked at the list and thought, and there's 10 or 15 different drivers that I could feature, and uh, I think that's the way it's going to be on race day. That legitimately, uh, there could be 15 different drivers that have a shot at, at winning this thing on Sunday. And Don Radabaugh from Arco, we were talking the other day, and, and he said, you know, Richard, he said, uh, it's going to be tough just to finish in the top ten. And, uh, you know, it's, it, there's just a lot of good young drivers right now. And especially you got some of these, uh, you got some rookies coming in. you got Richard Petty's grandson coming in uh, and drivers like that. Yeah, he he, uh, he tested last week, and and uh, uh, man, he, he seems like a really nice young guy. Very very polite. I was just very impressed talking with him. Uh, we've got him, you, you know. We got the the MDM team that finished the one two three at uh, at Nashville. I mean, man, they're really strong right now. When you can do that against the Venerinis and and the Chad Bryant team and. You know that that's quite an accomplishment, and uh, you know Zane Smith uh, came through with a big win down there, and and then uh, uh, Sheldon Creed, uh, you know, finished uh, second, I believe, and uh, after finishing third at Daytona, and and, and some of these kids that came in are, are not household names yet, uh, but uh, I tell you they're they're tremendous race car drivers, and they're definitely names that people are going to know. Uh, over the next few years. Now, with being the track being so old, the surface of the racetrack, as we kind of referenced into like as last year, as being like a cheese grater, it's kind of old and rough. What do you think it's going to take to win the race here this weekend? Well, you know, it's what Frank Kimmel always said. Frank said, when you come to Salem, you race the track. You don't race each other. If you get to racing each other, you're going to get in trouble and you're probably going to crash. So you go out and you race the track. And so, you know, there, there, I think there are many things that come into to play. I mean, strat- pit strategy with, you know, live pit stops is, is a big thing. Uh, of course, a little bit of luck because uh, it's like they say that uh, anything can happen at Salem, and it usually happens in, a, in the blink of an eye. And, you know, I've heard people say there's never a one-car wreck at Salem. So uh, a little bit of luck's involved. Uh, just uh, as I say, strategy, uh, tire wear. There, there's just a lot of things that come into play. All right, Richard. Uh, before I let you go, uh, can you kind of give uh, our listeners a rundown of what, like, uh, what's going to happen on Saturday and Sundays? Like, uh, I think they're having, Park is having with practice and qualifying and autograph session. Can you kind of give us a rundown of the schedule for the weekend? Sure. Yeah, spectator gates open at 1130 on Saturday. Uh, we have uh, 
practice for our Lucas Oil Great American Stocks uh, starting at 11.30. Then we'll have an hour and a half of ARCA practice after that. Then we'll have a second session for our uh, final practice for our Great American Stocks. 3 o'clock, we have qualifications for the Great American, followed by uh, poll qualifying for uh, ARCA at 4 o'clock. And that kind of uh, ends the day on Saturday and we, as we get the field set for Sunday. Uh, Sunday, uh, spectator gates open at 9.45. We have a uh, on-track autograph session start, starting at 11.30, which is always a popular thing, especially with some of these uh, new young kids that are coming in. I, I know a lot of fans are going to want to get their autographs. Uh, at 1 o'clock, we have the Ford Go Further 50, which is for our Lucas Oil Great American Stocks. And by the way, uh, Will Kimmel, who's going to be running in the, the ARCA race, if everything goes as planned, he's going to be doing double duty because uh, he just built a new uh, Lucas Oil Great American Stock. He's going to be running in that race as well as the ARCA race. We kick that off at 1 o'clock at... Uh, 208, the command to start engines for the ARCA 200 uh, takes place, and by 215, 216, uh, they should be taking the uh, green flag for the uh, Kentucky Anna Ford dealers ARCA 200. So it's it's a full weekend, full weekend at the track. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to be able to make it this year. I got a little bit of light surgery I got to have on Wednesday. I'm kind of miss it, uh, but for people who can get out there. Uh, our listeners, please get out there because it's going to be a great race. And uh, I want to thank you for taking time on your busy schedule, Richard, and uh, being on the show tonight. Hey, always glad to talk to you guys. And uh, anytime, just just give me a ring. I'll be glad to uh, glad to be on with you guys. Okay, I'm going to turn you back over to Rowdy before you go. Okay. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Richard. You have free camping in some of the areas, isn't that correct? Yeah, we have we have free camping all weekend long. Uh, no uh, hookups; it's it's all primitive, but we don't charge for it. Uh, plenty of spaces. You come in, and pick your spot, and and uh, uh, you know I think uh, like I was talking to Mark a while ago. Uh, there's some great people down there. Uh, had a lot of fun out in the campgrounds. Uh, uh, some people have been coming for years and. And from all over the the area, all over the several state area, that uh, people have made friends and they come in and camp together, and and uh, that uh, takes place all weekend long. Uh, tickets, if anybody's interested in tickets, uh, you can uh, go online, uh, SalemSpeedway.com, buy them online, or give us a call at the track, one triple eight two go race, and uh, we'll be glad to uh, take care of you. Well, that autograph session is awesome when you get to go down and actually your kids can meet the, the drivers and communicate back and forth and get a, a signed hero card. Yeah, I actually get down on the track and, and get the driver's autograph. And, you know, I know right now that uh, Natalie Decker is definitely going to be one of the favorites in the autograph line and, and uh, uh, the uh, – uh, I wasn't – Blank on his name, Thad Moffat, uh, Richard Petty's grandson. I know he's going to be a big attraction on the autograph session, and as well as all these other uh, young guys that are are just super uh, super nice kids, and uh, or I call them kids, uh, and uh, and drivers, and uh, so yeah, I know there's going to be some big lines for the autographs. 
Well, you know, Richard, we don't mean to be dis- disrespectful when we call them kids, but we're talking about some of these are, four, are six, 15, uh, 16, 17 years old into a 50, 60-year-old guy. They're kids. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. As I, as I shake hands with them when they come out on the track when they're introduced, uh, I always wonder, are the drivers getting younger or am I getting older? And, and and I think it's really, to be truthful, a combination of both. <laughs> it is, Richard, because I went back and watched some stuff back in uh, in uh, 84, 85, and most what they called young was 24, 25. Now we've got oh, a 15 uh, coming up. Yeah, well, we, we had last year uh, with the, the Jake CRA series, we had a 12-year-old running in, in the late model race. And uh, it's getting more and more like uh, the stick and ball sports that uh, if you want to make it to the upper levels, you really have to start. You have to start young. You, you do. Uh, it, it, it's I think 15 may be the breaking stopping point for ARCA, but how these kids convince their mother to let them go compete against uh, some of these older guys is it's it's amazing. My son, I don't think my son could have convinced my wife to let him get in the race car at 15 or 16. Well, I, I know my grandson couldn't couldn't convince his mom. <laughs> but you know, I I talked to a USAC. We had a USAC uh, midget race at Salem uh, several years ago, and and was up in the suite with uh, the mom of one of the the drivers who was I think he was. 16, 17 years old, and, and I said, doesn't it make you nervous to watch him out there? And she said, oh, yeah, because, you know, especially an open-wheel car, that Salem's pretty scary. And she said, yeah, definitely, but she said, you know what? She said, we give him the safest equip- equipment that we can, and she said, for somebody 16, 17 years old, what they could be doing on a Saturday night out on the highway with their friends she said, we feel like he's a lot safer here. And, and that's actually true. It, it is, Richard. They, with all the the way the safety has evolved over the years, right now I think auto, automobile stock car racing is as safe as you can get it. Yeah, it definitely has. It, it's, uh, the, the, they've made giant strides in safety over the last uh, last several years. Well, out of uh, 66 years with ARCA Racing Series, this will be y'all's 103rd race with ARCA. Yep, That's pretty number incredible. 103. 103, yeah. yeah. And there's nothing no more beautiful than sunset in Salem on the backstretch. Yeah, we had some, some pretty neat pictures that photographers have taken over the years, and uh, with the uh, the flag and the sunset, and uh, yeah, we've some pretty neat scenes. Now, Richard, ARCA comes to your track. It's the only short track that ARCA comes twice. And will y'all be doing the throwback in September, like past years? Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll be doing the the throwback uh, uh, paint schemes, and and uh, the whole weekend will be tied around tied around the uh, Throwback weekend of ARCA, and uh, you know that that's turned out to be a lot of fun, and and started uh, I guess a couple of years ago, and, and a few of the teams did the throwback paint schemes, and then last year 
there were several that that had uh, throwback paint schemes, and uh, you know we try to have some uh, old ARCA cars on display uh, behind the grandstand, and and th- yeah, I think that's going to build into uh, the the fall race is always a neat race anyway, but uh, the throwback is even added to it. Well, you even have a contest who, uh, which car that the crowd likes the best. Right. Yeah, we let let the crowd. Uh, vote on it, and uh, then we're going to have a special Grand Marshal in the fall that uh, I think we're going to announce this weekend who it is, but, uh, you know, yeah, we we like to honor the, the, the past drivers and uh, uh, the past history of Arca and Salem, and it's just a neat thing. Well, it was a big success at the autograph, because there was more people wanting the autographs of the legends. I mean, that could have went on for a another hour, hour and a half. I didn't know how y'all was going to clear the track to start the race. Yeah, you're right. Uh, the fans do enjoy talking with the uh, the drivers from the past. Well, what's cool was uh, what, Sue Chief furnished the T-shirts, and then the, the legends and the drivers got to sign the T-shirts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to build on that this year, and there's a street fair in Salem on Friday night. Uh, Arkin and the Speedway is going to have a booth at it down <coughs> in the downtown square. So, uh, yeah, we're going to make a, a weekend out of it. It should be a lot of fun again. Well, Richard, looking forward to it, and thanks for coming on and being part of the Rowdy Maglite Show. And uh, can't wait to race day. Again, thank you guys for having me. Look forward thank to you, seeing Richard. you. Thank uh-huh. you, Richard. We appreciate yeah, it. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you. Richard. All right. All right, guys. That uh, last year's that throwback. I mean, those cars were pretty awesome, and then get to meet some of the legends. Uh, and y'all know, guys, that y'all had to be like me. How they gonna get the track clear? Because the lines were still long when it was when it was really over with. Yeah, the line for Kimmel alone was long as you could believe. Everybody wanted Kimmel's autograph. Well, the hometown boy, that's kind of, you know, sentimental reasons for that one. But, no, the lines were long everywhere, and uh, it it really was a good autograph session, Rowdy. It was. And, well, you know, this weekend it's going to be – and they already, Richard mentioned it, Natalie's going to be there with autographs. Zane Smith, you know, you can just go on and on. Zane won Nashville last week. Uh, Michael Self's not going to be there. He's not racing the short track this weekend. But the best part, take your kids get to go down and actually shake hands and, and look the driver in the eyes and, and speak to him. And touch a race car. You get to touch yeah. a race car. Get to look at it up close and then see a great race. That's right. Uh, there's there's something to that, Rowdy, that uh, seeing it up close and personal and then getting up and watching it do its job during the, the race. And, uh, yeah, it's, that's kind of special. 
And if you can't make it, Mav TV will have it live two o'clock. And Jim Trader will be more than welcome to be giving you a great play by play along with Mr. Dillner. I tell you, that's a great combination right there. Uh, we'll have to have Jim on and we'll have to have Bob on. Maybe we'll have to have them on together. That'd be a pretty neat show, Rowdy. Well, at Nashville, you know, they had Mike Wallace doing the pit row reporting, and that was pretty cool, too. Yeah, he Mike looked a tad nervous, but I think maybe it was one of his first attempts to do it, and I think he did a really nice job from what I understand. Yes, he probably did. Wasn't nervous. It was probably, probably wasn't nervous. It was probably cold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he, he couldn't be nervous because he had cold on his mind. Oh, we all did, Rowdy. We all did. You know, there's one race in your lifetime that sticks out, and I hope I never. I hope Nashville's it for cold weather, because I don't never want to go through another one. But you know, guys, at dark, Mark, when the wind laid down, it wasn't as cold as it was at 12 o'clock when the wind was blowing 15 miles an hour and it was 31 degrees. Yeah, the the temperature pretty much stayed the same. It was that wind that made it the really bad, Robbie. And you're right. After the wind did die down, I wouldn't say it was comfortable, but it was more tolerable. Well, guys, I tell you, uh, what a show tonight. Jim, Eric, and uh, Richard. <laughs> you know, uh, when uh, I go after this is after this is all over, my wife looks at me and goes. How was it? I said, honey, when it gets as good as it's going to go, you're going to hear a kaboom. Well, tonight, it almost (laughs) blowed. (laughs) It almost blowed tonight. I'm telling you, tonight was a – and, you know, here we go again. Next Monday night, we're going to work on having the winner on the show. Uh, We had – so far, we've had Michael Self, who won Daytona. we had Zane Smith, who won Nashville and got that guitar. And uh, I hope we're going to work on trying to uh, get Monday night, have the winner on from uh, Salem Speedway. Well, I'm going to be there and give it my best shot, Rowdy, and uh, we'll see what happens. Well, you know, we've, we've developed a relationship with most of, most of these people that uh, – that will make time and uh, be part of part of it. And tonight, you know, we just keep building credibility. All you got to do is listen to that show and go, yes, man, I want to be on that show. <laughs> it was a good show tonight. Uh, the guests were off. Were wonderful. Uh, it doesn't get much better. We have a promoter and, uh, and, and I don't know what, what do you call Jim Trado, a historian, a commentator, a play-by-play man, a little bit of everything. Uh, we could have gone another two or three hours with Jim Trado easy. Yeah. Well, guys, I'm going to bring Todd on. Todd's been here the whole night listening, and I know he's he's wild, been wild out from it. Hey, Todd. Uh-huh. Hi, guys. Happy birthday, Jeff. Hope it was a good day for you. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, it was. Todd, that was almost like a birthday present getting to drive around Watkins Glen. What was that like? 
Oh, that's all right. And when you got a rookie with you and hearing them scream and holler, slow down on the curbs, that's even more priceless. <laughs> well, Todd, tell everybody where they can follow you and they can actually watch that. You did a Facebook Live and you posted it I, on your page, correct? I, I did a Facebook Live and then the gentleman that was a couple vehicles behind me, he filmed me from behind. Um, I shared on my Facebook. Uh, just look me up, Todd Bixby. Um, you can watch the videos and see what kind of fun. And you wonder how these cars can do the track at 160 miles an hour when I got it up to 90. You got 90? Hey. That was on the front straightaway. That's not wow, bad. Wow. How, fast, how fast were you supposed to be going? 55. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, that's you know, what you do, Todd. Lay back and then, then stop it. That's what he did. Um, he laid back. I saw that uh, part. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I laid back uh, only because of my rookie. Otherwise, you know, I would have been right up there. But, you know, you can only take so much screaming of a rookie. (laughs) (laughs) Especially when it's a woman. And that was it, too. It was a woman. Uh, First time ever being at a track or on a track. And uh, it was all for good charity. For Ryan, for a wheelchair to to be able to stand up on stage during his graduation. Um, We did have a lot of fog and rain uh, the first day. 30 cars after us, they had canceled it because of the safety issue of the fog. Um, So I'm hoping they reached their goal. Yeah, I think they have a lot of cars there. There, there were. Uh, I think there was three hundred. Wow, that's pretty awesome. And and it's awesome when the track, you know, does their opening like that and allows the fans to drive their vehicle on track. Um, I look forward to it every year. Well, Todd, uh, from what I've been hearing, Watkins Glen sells out now. It it does, and I'll tell you, I I can tell you why it sells out. So these tracks that they come twice to, if you notice, usually they don't sell out because they come twice. Watkins Glen, they only come once, and they sell out. So, I mean, it's a great track, great fun. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm looking forward to another great year. Us too, Todd, and uh, we're glad you call in and be part of it. And uh, everybody, if you don't know what it feels like to drive a real car on it, they're going to do it again. Talladega does it two or three times a year for charity also. You know, Talladega is another, they're a big crowd drawer twice a year. It's it's a big race. 
And, and, you know, when you infuse yourself into the community like that, it brings people, well, just like you, Todd, you got somebody that was a rookie that's probably looking forward to going to Watkins Glen and watching cars go around and go, I know what it feels like somewhat. I've been around that track. Yeah, and and for, you know, even the kids to be able to ride in the vehicles and see what it's like and then actually see what the cars do, I mean, it gives you a general idea, but when the cars do it, that's like night and day. Well, Todd, uh, we got Salem coming up, and I know you're not going to be able to make it, but the good thing, it's on MAV-TV, and... uh, Tune in and watch it, because it's going to be a barn burner. Um, being that, my brothers, we do got Mad TV, so I can watch it. Well, that's great. Yay. That's great. You got any racing adventures coming this week, Todd? I I don't. The only thing I'm actually starting to work on now is for Pocono. Uh, some plans had changed for that. So, myself is working at getting ready for it. Well, we're looking forward for you being our uh, pit road reporter for that weekend, and we're going to work on uh, making that happen for you. Yep, I'm looking forward to it and kind of got things a little set up on how about I'm doing things. Just hoping it's not cold. Or foggy or drizzly. Yeah. Todd, anything else you'd like to say for me? Because we're winding this thing down tonight. Well, I just want to say good luck to everybody at Salem. Uh, You guys safe travels. And looking forward to seeing some more great, amazing pictures. Well, let's, let's clarify that before we leave here. The only sad part about Salem is the service. It usually, it's going to be probably after the race when we get out of that bowl to be able to post anything because it's, uh, Jeff dealt with it in a year ago. And then when I was there in the file, it's just pretty much no, no service. So, uh, yeah, yeah, you got to get out of, out of there. And back up on closer into town before the the sun shines with internet. Well, it's still worth the wait. Well, we'll have them, and we're going to work on it, my friend. So uh, be ready for it. Thanks for calling in, Todd. Oh, thanks for having me, Jeff. Happy birthday, and uh, anything you want to close this thing out with? Oh, no. Thanks. Thanks for the uh, – anybody who can get out to Salem, get out there and uh, get to that race. It's going to be a great race. Uh, there's so much uh, history there. I mean, some of your past winners, I was just looking at Bobby Allison, Benny Parsons. You got uh, – Frank Kimmel, nine-time Salem winner. Ken Schrader, ARCA, ten-time ARCA champion. Uh, it's it's going to be a great race. Uh, it's a great facility. Uh, I'm sorry I'm not going to be able to get there this week. Uh, i got some surgery coming up on Wednesday. 
so I'm not going to make it. So, fans, if you can get out there, get out there and uh, check out great racing with the ARCA series. Well, Jeff, enjoy what uh, time you got because at 12.01, it's it's a new day. It's all over again. Yeah. And looking forward to being here a year from tonight. Wishing you happy birthday again, my friend. I'll be here. All right, Jeff. Thanks. Mark? Yep. Hey, Rowdy. Uh, wow. We're over already? I, I could go another hour or two. Um, what a fun evening. What an informative evening. What a, It was just a good evening all the way around. Uh, wonderful guests, wonderful commentary. Uh, doesn't get much better than what we had tonight, does it, Rowdy? I tell you, guys, you know, we talked earlier of different shows and versus our show. Everybody's got their own tone of, of shows, but you know, we're just, uh, we're raw and it's, uh, it's, it's real and it's us. And that's what you get. And we're fortunate enough to bring on great guests and it, it all plays out to our benefit. And it, Hey, if you just call part of this show, it's archived about Ten minutes after we end, it goes on archives. You can go back to where we had the introduction and lineup of who goes and punch it, and it'll take you and play it all over again. So, And you can find that on the Rowdy Maglite Show, Rowdy Maglite Racing Radio, or my Rowdy Maglite page. So it's a request on the Rowdy Maglite and the like pages on the other two. And uh, we... we if you want to know anything about ARCA, we got it posted up there. We're working, you know, we work hard to keep sure everybody do, informed. I mean, and if you we go sure. on there and like it, we we need those likes. So, uh, Mark, what you got going on to close this thing out? Looking forward to Salem on Sunday. Uh, a little warm weather for a change. Uh it, can't be any colder than it was at Nashville, and, and the weather forecast is looking good, so I'm looking forward to that. Just looking for a nice, safe trip. Uh, it's going to be a quick one. Go down Sunday morning, come back right after the race. We'll get the winner. We'll get set up for Monday night, and we'll be talking about uh, all this again in a week. Man, I'm telling you, it'll be a week from the night, the Rowdy Maglite Show. Yes, sir, it will be. So, till next week, I'll see you. All right. Well, next week, we got the Dega Duke Club coming on. The winner, hopefully, the winner of the race. And uh, another guest. And can't wait. Looking forward to it. Mark, have a safe trip. Take plenty of pictures and uh, get Ann to download them back over to me as soon as you can. You got it, Roddy. You got it. All right, Mark, Jeff. The Chi-Town Duel. Keep it rolling, guys. Hey, stay safe in the snow.
Are you ready for some short track bumping and banging? It's the Kentuckiana Ford Dealers ARCA 200 this Sunday afternoon at Salem Speedway. Fueled by the Hoosier Lottery. Featuring the cars and stars of the ARCA Racing Series. You've seen them on the super speedways of Daytona and Talladega. Now, see them on the toughest short track on the circuit. The famed high banks of Salem. It's all happening this Sunday afternoon. The Kentuckiana Ford Dealers ARCA 200 at Salem Speedway. Tickets now selling at one 2 go race Yeah. 
Autobahn Indoor Speedway is Birmingham's premier corporate events venue. When your team races together at speeds up to 50 miles per hour in their electric pro carts, they'll leave with a recharged new bond. They guarantee it. For more information on how to book your company event, visit AutobahnSpeed.com. 